Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. One God, Amen. I like in the beginning to thank His Grace, Bishop Gabriel, and all the fathers of this blessed church, and all of you for giving me this opportunity to be with you tonight and tomorrow morning. It's a great blessing to be in this blessed church that has a very long history of high spirituality, and also it's a great blessing to be with His Grace, Bishop Gabriel, and with all of you. And through His Grace prayer, I ask God to give us word tonight for the edification of our soul and also for the blessedness of the marriage for those who are married or intended to marry. I like to read a few verses from the book of Tobit, chapter 2 and verse 19 to 22. In truth, his wife Anna went out to weaving work daily, and she brought back the provisions that she was able to obtain by the labor of her hand. Whereupon it happened that, having received a young goat, she brought it home. When her husband heard the sound of its bleating, he said, Look, so that it might not be stolen, return it to its owners, for it is not lawful for us either to eat or to touch anything stolen. At this, his wife, being angry, answered, Clearly, your hope has become vanity, and the manner of your almsgiving has become apparent. With this and other similar such words, she reproached him. How Tobit reacted to this, we read it in chapter 3, verse 1. Then Tobit sighed and he began to pray with tears. Another passage I like to read, it is in uh, Genesis 24:35. Then that is what Eliezer said to the family of Rebekah when he went to take her as a wife to Isaac. So he said, the Lord has blessed my master greatly and he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. Glory be to the Holy Trinity. In the first passage, we saw how Tobit's wife Anna was working, and she bought goats. But since her husband was blind, Apparently, she did not inform him that with the money she made, she bought this goat. And he was very 
honest person. So when he heard the bleating of the goat, he thought that it was stolen. He thought that it was stolen means there was no communication or transparency between him and his wife. So as faithful godly man, he warned the family lest this goat is stolen. And his wife, I understand why she became angry, because she was working hard with her hand and she was able to buy this goat for the whole family. And instead of being thanked or valued for what she was doing, to be thought it was stolen. So she responded to him in a very humiliating way because he used to give a lot of money, almsgiving, to the poor and needy. So she rebuked him and told him, see whether your almsgiving helped you or not. And to beat in response to this, he started to pray with tears. So what is the reason here of this conflict between both of them? It's lack of transparency. If she came from work and she told him, I worked and I made such amount of money today and I was able to buy this goat, he wouldn't actually suspect that it was stolen. Also, from Tobit's point of view, it is what we call negative interpretation. And instead of assuming it was stolen, he should have asked how we were able to buy this goat because we were poor family. In response to his question, based on his negative interpretation, she escalated the situation between him and her. And she responded in a very harsh way and criticized his godliness. Criticized that he is giving money to the poor. And to be as a godly man in response to this, he did not respond to her, but he went to his room and started crying with tears to God. If there is a lesson we need to learn from this story, I think there are two lessons. One lesson is the transparency between the couple. And the second lesson, we should not negatively interpret others. We should not assume what is negative as to be dead. But tonight I like to focus on the issue of transparency, especially when it comes to financial transparency. Because despite how much you love your spouse, usually having a financial talk is not exactly fine with many couples. And there are quite few reasons why some of us become nervous when we discuss finances with spouses. Maybe there is a huge debt that I am hiding from my spouse, or we have different spending styles, 
or there is difference in income levels. So some of us feel uncomfortable talking about this topic. And most of the time talking about finances bring tension and is difficult. And unfortunately, in many marriages, there is no financial transparency. And according to a survey that was done about finances, they found 45% of recently married couples reported they did not discuss their debts before marriage. If they have loans from schools or whatever, 45% did not discuss their debts before marriage. And from experience, I found that many family conflicts and unfortunately many divorces because of financial disagreement. And when they go to the court, again, there is no financial transparency. People try to hide money. And in, in, uh, in divorce, usually couples fight over two things, custody and money. And they spend a lot of money on lawyers. And there is another study reported that 40% of divorced people mentioned that the, the reason for their divorce is how their spouse handled the money. This was the reason of divorce for 40% about finances. So we as Christian Orthodox couples, we should not let this happen to us. And we need actually to have financial transparency with each other. Financial transparency means being open and honest with my spouse about financial matters. Although some of us be concerned about discussing finances with our spouses, but being transparent and sharing with each other and being truthful can actually be the foundation for a successful marriage and a successful money management in this family. These finances actually should be discussed even before the marriage. So both of them before they marry, they have to put everything out on the table. And as we will explain, they have to talk in details about income, about assets, about debts. This actually can pave the way for a financially successful marriage. The part that I read from Genesis, the verse that I read from Genesis, how Al-Adar mentioned to Rebecca's family, he did not hide anything from them. 
He told them, The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. He did not say, No, it's better to hide the richness of my master, lest they take advantage of us. This mindset was not there. He was very open and he was very clear about the finances of Abraham. As I said, it is better to talk about it for marriage. And if you don't talk about it until now, it's never too late. We can start talking truthfully and honestly with each other. And this talk should include how to manage your finances, how to create boundaries for spending your debts, your income, etc. Both of you should disclose to each other and you should be honest and transparent and to disclose all your assets, all your income, all your debts for each other. So this includes real estate, income, investment, bank account, other financial assets. Also in this financial talk, you need to discuss financial background. What do I mean by financial background? All of us, we develop our financial behavior based on how we grew up and the examples that our parents set for us. That's why our financial behavior is different from each other. Because we have different backgrounds. Because we were raised in different families and different culture and different economic status and different classes. All these factors can alter our beliefs when it comes to money. That's why when you start your financial talk, don't pass judgment when your spouse starts to explain his or her financial background. You should understand we are different. Also, understanding your spouse's financial background can help you better understand how they make decisions about money. And then, both of you can find a way to meet in the middle in order to make a spending and saving plan that works for both of you. So, understanding you are coming from different backgrounds, this will help you to make a plan that work for both of you. After you discuss your financial background, you need to discuss your financial goals. So, start first by every spouse identify their goals and 
the steps or action that is needed to achieve this goal and don't belittle the goals of your spouse don't make fun of it even if they don't agree with your goals you need again to listen with open mind then after both of you explain your financial goals and the steps or action you need to achieve this you need both of you to discuss how to integrate your goals together and how to make shared or common goals and you agree on the steps and the actions that both of you need to take in order to achieve these goals and while you are doing this discussion you need to keep in mind how to manage your money God's way for example the tithe the first fruit if you are going to help the poor and what percentage you're gonna assign to helping the poor responsibility toward your families family of origin your parents if they need your help so there are many commandments in the scripture about how to manage your money in God's way for example one of the verses that we don't pay attention to it in Ephesians how even if we don't need money maybe we can work and make money and give it completely to those who cannot work and cannot support themselves as St. Paul said those to work and to make good to be able to give those who cannot work in his letter to Ephesians because some people think if I pay the tithe that's all no that's the minimum so if I'm healthy and I still can work why not even if I don't I know some youth right now they, they are planning to, to make saving and their goals to make saving so they can retire at age of 40 or 45 and then they can actually enjoy traveling or just having fun but even if this is your plan I'm not gonna comment on it but even if this is your plan why not working one or two days or three days after you finish this stage and contribute all what you are making for the poor for those who cannot work and support themselves if God give me health let me work and support others as St. Paul explained in Ephesians also discussing short and long term goals as a couple can give you hope and you agree on the steps how you achieve these goals also this discussion should include saving plans account for your future children or for your children 
starting an investment account together, how to have emergency fund if something happened you don't expect. So some examples of financial goals should include plans to pay off student loans and any other debts, plans to save for future expenses, retirement plans, health care plans, travel and vacational spending, life insurance, and definitely God's money in, in this plan. From counseling many families, I found there is a lot of fighting about what we call recreational spending. So argument about recreational spending can be problematic for couples. What do I mean by recreational spending? Money that's spent for self-care, money spent for things I like, for example, just drinking coffee, going out with my friends. And some couples actually fight over this. Especially now with online shopping, many people can overspend and they cannot actually control their spending habits. And most of the time when the credit card bill comes, there is a fight about what you spend on credit card. That's why creating a monthly budget allowance for each spouse, for example, each spouse will take $100 a week, $50 a week, whatever, to spend it as he wants. That's what we call recreational spending. So this actually will prevent fighting over how you spend your money. Because each spouse can allocate their allowance, this amount of money, on spending that they prefer or they want. And this way, there will not be fight over graded card bills, and you will experience fewer arguments. And also, it will help financial transparency from both spouses in the relationship. Also, the financial talk should include an overview of several financial matters. For example, both of you should be open and upfront about any existing debts and you create a plan together to manage it. Yes, this can be a touchy subject, but approaching it as a team can bring both of you closer together. And other financial matters should be discussed 
as they said, like income, debt, investment, and more. In these financial discussions, you should come with a plan for joining incomes. Of course, if you are one, then you should have one joint account and both of you should have access to it. If you are making income more than your spouse, this doesn't give you the right to put the other down. If you are working and your spouse is not working, for example, if the wife chose to stay home to raise her children, don't belittle her staying home because it is a full-time job and sometimes it is more difficult than working outside. Many stay-home mothers tell me we need to start working in order to get some rest and some relaxation. To raise up children nowadays is not an easy task. And if you are successful in your career, this success is because of both of you, not because of you only. So again, if your wife is staying home and you are promoted and became very successful in your career, don't put your wife down and don't count for her what you bought for her. Sometimes it's perceived negatively when you remind your spouse or your wife all the time, I bought you this and bought you this and, and I got you this. Be generous, like how Boaz was generous with Ruth. And when you are generous, God will be, bless you more and more. And generosity is different than overspending. You need to differentiate between generosity and overspending. Be generous with your family so God will bless you. Because the Lord taught us it's more blessed to give than to receive. And no matter what your financial situation or goals are, you need to use financial discussions as a chance to plan for future. And if you are not sure how to start a financial conversation, the starting point is to start with honesty. Approach your financial discussion at a time when you and your partner are comfortable and ready to talk. Talking about finances can be stressful. That's why timing is very important. So be honest and choose the right time. Also, be ready to be uncomfortable while you are, you are talking. Nothing wrong to accept to be uncomfortable while you are talking until both of you can reach an agreement 
on how to manage your money God's way. Don't compare yourself with other families. Don't ask your spouse to manage the money financially as other family. Because each couple's financial goals or vision are different. Your goals and your vision and how to manage your money is different than other families. Comparison here is very unfair and leads to a lot of conflict and a lot of fighting. And keep in mind that the purpose of this conversation about finances is to get both of you on the same page. And you owe it to yourself to be open and honest and transparent. Believe me, many relationships suffer from dishonesty. Lying can also be a major reason of shaking the foundation of our marriages. Because one of the important foundation is trust. When we lie and the other discover something that I hid from them, this can shake the foundation of trust in the marriage. And this will cause a major divide between you and your spouse. Believe me, if you are embarrassed about your financial situation, for example, you have a lot of debts, but remaining honest with your spouse and open about it and talk together about it in a spirit of love and understanding and support, this actually can solve this issue. In managing our money, we need to consider how to get the money and how to spend the money and how we view the money. What do I mean by these three principles? How to get the money? You need to be honest in the way you are getting the money. Some people use this honest way in order to get rich very, very quickly. And I know some people who were able actually to be very, very rich in a very short way by a dishonest ways. And now they are paying a very high cost because of this dishonesty, because they have problems with the law, etc. So how to get the money is very, very important. Be honest and be content. Be honest and be content. That's why our view and our how we understand the money is very, very important. Money is just a tool. Don't trust money. Don't trust money. Money, if you start trusting it and rely on it, it can be a master. It can be another God. That's why the Lord told us, you cannot serve two gods. Either God 
or the mammon. And as they say, money can get you a very expensive watch, but cannot get you time. Can get you a very expensive bedroom, but cannot get you sleep. Can get you the best physicians and the best medicine and the best hospitals, but cannot give you health. So don't trust money. As St. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, now godliness with contentment is a great gain. That is the real wealth when you are content and godly. Content and godly. And St. Paul gave an explanation why he said what he said. He said, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich, as I told you, those who want to be rich in a very short time, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things. So the men of God, the people of God, should flee the love of money. And St. Paul in the same chapter, verse 17, he said, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches. And he called uncertain because riches are very, very uncertain. You cannot trust on it. But in the living God, put your trust in God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works. That's the true richness. To be rich in good works, not in money. Ready to give. Generous. Ready to give. Willing to share. Storing or saving up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. That is the good saving. When you save for yourself foundation for the age to come that they may lay hold on eternal life and I'm sure the parable of the foolish rich man this parable actually started with two siblings went to the Lord Jesus Christ and as usual as I told you they were fighting over money and the Lord actually did not waste the time in splitting the money between them. Because if both of them are greedy, then any split between both of them will not be satisfying. And at the end, both of them will be angry at the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why how the Lord 
dealt with this situation. And I can imagine if a couple went to the Lord Jesus Christ and told him we are fighting over money. I think the Lord will say the same answer that who made me divider among you? He told them in Luke chapter 12 verse 14 man who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you. So if a couple fighting over money and went to the Lord Jesus Christ he will tell them the same who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you. What is the root of this fight? Why couples fight over money? The Lord answered in verse 15, Take heed and beware of covetousness, of greediness. For one's life, our life, does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You can have a lot and you can lose your life. So our life does not consist in the abundance of the things we possess. And then he told them the parable of the foolish rich man. And at the parable he said a very important verse. When he said, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. If you want to be rich in money, but you are not rich toward God, then actually we will be like this foolish rich man. If our hearts is pure from the love of money, if we are honest, if we don't trust in money, if we don't look at money as another God whom we serve and who control our life, then we will not have any fight in our families over money. But unfortunately, this is not the case. In many families, the main fight, usually, money is one of the reasons we fight in our families. And many reasons make people go to divorce. So we need actually to think how we gain money, how we perceive money, it's not God. And how we spend the money. Gambling, for example, is a bad, an ungodly, and a sinful way of spending money. In gambling, we spend the money in hopes to get more money. And usually at the end, we lose our money. I know people who lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in one night. When I say hundreds, I mean hundreds. Some people spend money for sinful ways, sinful pleasures. You cannot use the money that God gives you to spend it in sinful pleasures. You need to spend money to glorify God. As St. Paul said, whether you eat or drink or do anything, do it all for the glory of God. As we read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Also, being stingy and 
just you want to accumulate money in your bank account and people around you need money or your family your spouse your children needs money and you don't although you have a lot of money this again sinful practice in one of the divorce cases I know the husband has a lot of money but he hid all his money in order not to give his ex-wife anything in the court and then he came to me and he asked me to get his money as donation to the church and I refused and I told him be fair with your wife first before giving your money to the church I'm not going to accept this money while you are hurting your wife and the main reason by the way in this case for divorce that he was not spending money on, on her on his children many times he did not pay the electricity bill or the water bill to the extent sometimes the electricity were uh, shut down from the house because he did not pay the bill although he's a very rich man but he was stingy so be generous to your family also if there is our parents in need of money both of you should discuss this and we should honor our parents and our parents actually if they are in real need it's our responsibility to help them and support them this can be an issue of actually fight between uh, couples and unfortunately some couples hide this from their spouses because you know the other person will disagree but listen to what St. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 5 but if any widow has children or granted children let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents for this is good and acceptable before God so it is the responsibility of the children and granted children and both of you should agree on how we honor our parents in verse 8 in the same chapter St. Paul said if anyone does not provide for his own and especially for those of his household he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever so if I'm not providing to my family as if I denied my faith and St. Paul said he is worse than an unbeliever the last verse I want to read in verse 16 is the same chapter if any believing man or woman has widows for example his mother or let them relieve them relieve them and support them and don't let the church be burdened that at the church may you relieve those who are really widows really widows means they don't have anyone to support them so it is our responsibility toward our parents
I hope this talk will help all of us to have financial transparency, financial honesty, financial integrity with each other. This actually can make many, many, many families successful because, as I said in the beginning, unfortunately, finances is the reason of many family conflict and many divorces. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.